This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Oh hi, cuz. Welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is. And today we're getting a peek at life without you. How good it is. Hi there, I'm Claude Cole and I'm proud to be amongst you. Let's do some British Invasion trivia. The Trogs are probably best known for their song Wild Thing, which went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1966. But in the UK, Wild Thing didn't quite make it, only reaching number two. Meanwhile, their only number one in the UK peaked at number 26 here in the United States. Name that song. Was that confusing? They only had one number one hit in the United Kingdom. What was it? That's it. And of course, I'll have the answer for you near the end of the show. Harry Nilsson was a great songwriter in his own right, so it's kind of interesting to me that the two songs that he's probably best known for, stupid jokes on social media notwithstanding, weren't written by him. Well, I can't forget this evening And your face when you were leaving But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile, but in your eyes your sorrow shows Yes, it shows Without You was written by Pete Ham and Tom Evans and recorded by Badfinger for their second album, which was titled No Dice. Ham had written a song called Is This Love that had a chorus he didn't really like, and Evans had the I Can't Live If Living Is Without You chorus, but he didn't have any verses to go with that, so they put the two songs together as one. Now, in recent years, it's come to light that there are actually two Badfinger versions floating out there. The one you're hearing now is the version that made it onto No Dice. But then, in 2013, a demo version popped up as a bonus track on a reissue of the album. It's a little bit more piano-heavy and might even be a little bit better version of the song. Now, why they didn't turn it into the power ballad that everyone else saw it for, and for which Badfinger was perfectly suited to make, isn't clear, except for the fact that neither Pete Ham nor Tom Evans thought it would add up to much, so they didn't put a ton of effort into it and slotted it cl- to close out side one of the album. The track did get some mixed reviews at the time, with one reviewer suggesting that it sounded a bit like a blueprint rather than a final version, but it's gained in posterity since then. And before I walk away from No Dice here, I thought you'd find it interesting that these days, nobody really knows the identity of the model on the album's cover, other than that her name might be Kathy. Kathy. 
Okay, so let's come back to Harry Nilsson. Now, by 1970, Nilsson had released six albums, and a couple of them did okay, but he refused to tour to support those albums, so they mostly languished. Now, Alan Shipton, who wrote a biography of the singer in 2013 called Nilsson, Life of a Singer-Songwriter, uh, she suggests that he wouldn't tour because a bad experience at a gig early in his career contributed to his having a bad case of stage fright. However, he did have a small but devoted following and a lot of respect from other musicians and songwriters, especially in the Los Angeles area. In 1969, his song Everybody's Talkin', the other big song of his that he didn't write, gained new popularity after it was used in the film Midnight Cowboy and earned a Grammy Award, so it was re-released, peaking at number six this time around when it hadn't even cracked the Hot 100 the previous year. Then, Me and My Arrow broke into the top 40 when the short film The Point appeared on ABC TV simultaneously with the release of Nilsson's soundtrack for it. And his song One had been a hit for Three Dog Night, so RCA had a few good keep, uh, reasons for keeping him around, even if he wasn't exactly tearing up the pea patch, as James Thurber would say. The story goes that Nilsson was at a party in Laurel Canyon when he heard Badfinger's song, and as so many people did in those days, when they heard a Badfinger song, he mistook it for a Beatles song, largely because Badfinger was on Apple Records, was being mentored by Paul McCartney, and therefore used a lot of the same production crew, including Jeff Emmerich and Mal Evans. The story goes, and he has told this, that he spent a couple of weeks looking for the Beatles album that had this song before he learned that it wasn't the Beatles. Why he didn't ask his party host in the first place, I don't know. At any rate, because it was on Apple Records, Nilsson put together a demo, and he submitted it to Apple's former publicist Derek Taylor, who had a prior relationship with Nilsson and who had just landed a position at Warner Brothers. Taylor, who later went on to co-produce his album A Little Touch of Schmilson in the Night, said that the demo was good enough to suggest that it could be a hit, but it needed a little bit more. Here's a little bit of that demo, and I've cut a verse out so you can hear the opening, first verse, and his chorus. Could you bring up the voice in the uh, earphones a little bit?
As you can hear, the demo was kind of rough and kind of moody, and that continued through to the first few takes of the song with other instruments added. Now, Richard Perry, who produced the album, was initially promised that he would have creative control over the album, but Nilsson was frequently butting heads with him about the production on Without You. In the documentary, Who is Harry Nilsson and Why is Everybody Talking About Him?, which is available for free on YouTube, Perry said, quote, about halfway through the album, we had a difference of opinion that didn't settle itself easily. So, like two proper gentlemen, we decided to have a meeting to discuss what we were going to do. I said, Harry, do you do remember when you came to me and asked me to produce you? My only condition was that I would have, would have creative control. He looks me dead in the face and says, well, I lied. Unquote. It was at that point, Perry says, that they realized they were late for the vocal session at the studio, so they hopped into a taxi, and what you hear is the result of that session. Well, I can't forget. And even then, when they were working on it, Nilsson kept saying to the musicians, This song's awful. Those musicians, incidentally, include Gary Wright on the piano, Klaus Vorman on the bass, and Jim Keltner on the drums. Strings and horns were arranged by Paul Buckmaster. Now, one of the things they did agree on was that they needed a little more power in the top notes. So when it came to those big notes, Nilsson really went for it, as you can hear in the finished version. Unfortunately, according to Derek Taylor, Hitting those high notes actually gave Nilsson hemorrhoids. And I don't know about you, but I didn't even know that's something that could happen. At any rate, Taylor said that whenever he hears that top note, he thinks of hemorrhoids, which he concedes should spoil it for him, but he says it doesn't. The single was released on October 11, 1971, and began to appear on radio station charts in the U.S. by early December. By December 18th, it made its debut on the Billboard Hot 100, and after 10 weeks, on February 19, 1972, it began a four-week run at the top of the chart. It was also a number one in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, and the UK. It was number three in Italy, and it was top 20 in Belgium, the Netherlands, and West Germany. In fact, in Australia, it was the number two song for the entire year of 1972. And for all that, Harry Nilsson performed this song exactly once in concert. It was in September of 1992, over 20 years after it topped the charts, and Ringo Starr was on tour with his all-star band in Las Vegas. During the sound check, Nilsson came by unannounced to visit his old friend, whom he hadn't seen in such time. Not that they were purposely avoiding each other, but by then, Ringo was living the AA life and getting himself cleaned up and hanging out with the friends that you used to get wrecked with is considered a bit of a faux pas. But, oddly enough, Ringo actually talked him into performing Without You that night. There is bootleg audio that suggests the audience wasn't especially sophisticated from a musical standpoint, because they didn't seem to recognize him at first. But while Nilsson's voice had gotten a bit rough from substance abuse, it still got a certain charm to it. And Todd Rundgren, who was part of Ringo's band at the time, helped cover the harmonies in the high parts.
Nielsen did perform the song on stage one other time in the early 90s, but it was a lip-sync performance. So while the all-star band may have recognized it as a rare event, they probably didn't realize that it was one-time only rare. Uh, it was only a few months after that Vegas concert that Nilsson suffered a heart attack related to a congenital condition he suffered from, eventually dying of heart failure in January of 1994. The song has been covered a few times, of course. The first notable cover was by country artist T.G. Shepard in 1983, included as a single on his Greatest Hits album. Good thing for him, then, that it did manage to reach the country chart as a single, and the album made it to number five on the country albums chart. I'm going to play a clip, and please excuse the surface noise on this final recording. Can't forget this evening Oh, your face says you will leave me But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile But in your eyes your sorrow shows Yes, it shows In 1991, the band Air Supply did their version of the song, including it on their album, The Earth Is, where it reached number 48 on the adult contemporary chart. To admit, I kind of forgot about that one until I listened back for this podcast. But the big cover, of course, was in 1994. Mariah Carey was familiar with the song, having heard it as a young girl, but she said in a Rolling Stone article that she heard it again in a restaurant, and she knew she could turn it into a huge hit if she recorded it. Carey's version was released as the third single from her album Music Box, only a week after Nilsson died, and also turned up on a few of her compilation albums later on. Carrie's version made it to number three on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and stayed there for six weeks, ending her streak of consecutive number ones at 10. However, it was a huge hit elsewhere in the world, reaching number one in Australia, Belgium, Germany, Iceland, Ireland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Scotland, Sweden, and Switzerland, and was top five in Australia, Canada, Denmark, France, Lithuania, Norway, and Panama. And I'll say this as a personal note, this... This is the song where Carrie seems to actually gain a little control over her voice. That is to say, she's a little more emotional than she is hitting the high notes just to hit the high notes. In fact, she's singing in a slightly lower register than usual, and clearly, that paid off for her. Give anymore. Can't live. 
And let me offer up one more cover for you. In February 2008, a singer named Valentina Hassan appeared on the Bulgarian talent show Music Isle and performed Without You in English. Unfortunately, her English pronunciation wasn't very good, and the performance went globally viral as Ken Lee, based on Hassan's broken English. Ken Lee. Ken Lee. Ken Lee. Without you. And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I talked about the Trogs and the fact that they had exactly one number one hit in the United States and one number one hit in the UK, but they were different songs. In the U.S., it was Wild Thing. So what was it in the U.K.? I want to spend my life well, it does pop up on all these stations here in the States now and again, so it isn't completely forgotten. But A Girl Like You made it to the top of the charts in the U.K., but it didn't even crack the top 20 here in America, peaking at number 26 on the Billboard Hot 100. And for what it's worth, both songs charted in the summer of 1966, having been released only a few weeks apart. And that, my friend, is a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, hey, you've made it this far, that's got to mean something. Please take the time to share it with someone. Who knows? Maybe you'll be inspired to go to karaoke night together, you'll sing a song together, and you'll both get hemorrhoids singing the high notes. Oh, jeez. And also, if you're so inclined, you could even leave a rating or better yet, a review somewhere. And now you can support the show over at Patreon.com slash How Good It Is. Don't forget, if you're a patron, you get a newsletter about 48 times a year, which is a nice little thank you for your support. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at HowGoodPodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at HowGoodItIs. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Ow. How good it is, Pod. Or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time. How good it is. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.